I'm going to um, begin um, where we kind of where we left off, but I want to remind you, um, last week, the message was, and I, and I struggled then, because I, I don't want to always appear to be, um, you know, beating the church up or anything like that. But honestly, uh, the church has become more like um, pep rallies than prep rallies. We're supposed to be, let, let's just go straight to Ephesians where we were, in Ephesians four eleven and 12. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, now remember, we need to be equipped. You know, God has ordained that five-fold ministry so that all of those who are saints, all of those of us who are born again, can be equipped, we can be prepared. Why? What, what do we need to prepare for? Well, there's several scriptures, and you guys know, but just for a reminder, in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Ephesians 6.12, which I referred to in prayer time. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're in battle. In Jude, I reminded you last week, and if you guys remember these boxing gloves sit here, that was that message way back, contending for the faith. Jude talks about contending for the faith. We are in a battle. We are in a fight. It's a spiritual warfare, but the battle's already been won. That's the good news. The battle's already been won. So now I have to battle the battle here, if you want to know truth. I have to battle the battle here to realize that you know the battle has already be, been won and to go ahead and endure and settle in that. Even despite what I might see, despite what my, my, might come up against me in this realm, in this current age where I find myself living today. Despite all of that, the battle's already been won. So I need to get that settled right now and here. Amen. Right in here, in my chasm pointing to my own chest as I'm beating my own chest. But now let's go back to Ephesians 4. It says that he gave himself some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, teachers for the equipment of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now look at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Look at, I, 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 I really want you to see this. The knowledge of the Son of God. You know, it's the knowledge of Jesus. It's the knowledge that we have of Jesus in Jesus that, that separates, that makes the difference. It's the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that we come to understand that brings us you know, to repentance. It brings us, you know, it, it allows us regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Without that, we don't, it's, there, there's nothing. There's nothing. We have to have knowledge. Knowledge of Jesus. Amen? Second Peter 1, a, a verse, a couple of verses here that we're so familiar with. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How are grace and peace multiplied to you? Right, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Do you, are, are, is that tracking with you now? Do you understand that? These things that we have. They're given to us through the knowledge of Jesus. Isn't that what that scripture says? Have I taken license here? Very plainly what the scripture says. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through, through lust. 
See, my brothers and sisters, without that knowledge, I'm still in bondage. I'm still trapped. I'm still trapped. See, yeah, by my own flesh, but through the knowledge of Christ, I escape all of that pollution. I escape all of that. I'm set free because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. That's not, that's only words. That's only a good saying unless you really have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Unless you really know Him. Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now that's only a good saying. It only sounds good and we could, I could, we could pronounce that and we could get all happy and dance around it and, and it would be a good thing. But unless we really know Him, what do we have actually? Just words, just a good saying. Just again, we can come in here and we can have a, a pep rally. We can have a pep rally. We could say, you know, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No other way to get to the Father except by Him. Yay! Hallelujah! Awesome! Awesome! Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Yay! Hallelujah! But do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you have this knowledge that He wants to impart to you, this fullness, so that you can be aware of the, what the freedom actually brings to you? That you're, you're no longer enslaved to your own senses anymore. You don't have to be guided any longer according to what your flesh lusts after, according to the old man, the old nature. You don't have to be led around by that. Your decision making isn't centered on that. The things that you crave, the things that you want now, have more to do with the eternal then they do the temporal. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know Him? Which one do you know? Because there's a lot of Jesus is being preached in our culture today. In many churches, they don't preach the same Jesus, I think. Let's, I want to show you a quick scripture, and I'm going to, I'll try not to beat you up too much with scriptures today, but in John 4.10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now we know, we know what this is, right? We know Jesus was lingering at the well while the, his other disciples went in to see if they could get some food and, and Jesus is at the well and that was the Samaritan woman that came to draw water from the well. And he has a conversation with her. He asks, him, he asks her that she would give him a drink. And she's taken back. Because he's breaking social mores right now. He's a Jew and he's asking a Samaritan woman to give him a... They're not supposed to have that kind of conversation. So they have this conversation. And you guys, most of you in here, you know the story. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go through that whole story again. But she is... is she doesn't know. She's recognizing something. Then they get into a, 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 a speech. She, he starts talking to her about religious things because she's okay, now she perceives he knows something. And then she asks, she says, well, okay, you Jews say that the worship should be here, but our fathers say that it should be there. And, and so, and he, and that's when, he, you know, he, but it wasn't until he says to her, go and get your husband and I'll tell you a few things. Oh, I don't, I'm not married. He says, yeah, you say that right. You've had five husbands and the one you're with now is not your husband. That changes everything. That changed everything. Now she, uh-oh, now, I, now there's something's up here. This guy read my mail. This guy knows something. 
See, my brothers and sisters, is that what you're waiting for? Are you, are you always looking for uh, the, the man of God to give you a word of knowledge? Because sometimes that happens, but sometimes it doesn't. See, are you looking for the supernatural before you make a decision? Because honestly, the supernatural has already happened to you. If, if you're born again, something supernatural has already happened. You've passed from death to life. You were, you were, you were dead. You, you were spiritually dead. And He quickened you. You had He quickened who were dead in your sins and trespasses. Now you have an ability. He placed His... Uh, he deposited the spirit of adoption in you. And now you have the ability. You don't have to hear the word from the minister. You can read the word for yourself. And you could begin to have that interaction with God yourself through Jesus Christ. See, so many times we're putting so much on the pastor, so much on the minister, so much on that prophet. I'm going to go run here, and I'm going to go run there. i got to hear a word from God. How about getting in your closet and hearing a word from God? How about opening up the Bible and getting some answers to the pertinent questions that you have? You can do that. Oh, yes. I don't want you to stop coming to church and, 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 and having the fellowship because we know that we need that as well. And we know that the Lord will uh, deliver a message through His prophet to confirm a word in you. Sometimes He has to get your attention, like maybe this morning. Maybe you haven't read a whole lot this week, so that's why I'm going to push on this just a little bit. Maybe you've only read one chapter all week because you got, you're so busy. And you're so busy with the kids, with the jobs, with this, with that, and, and everything else. You're so busy, you don't have time to talk to your God. The one who saved you. We're all guilty of it from time to time. Don't feel... See, this is not about condemnation now because maybe there was more than one somebody in here that needed to hear that word right now. And, and see, that's God. You just heard a word from God. You just heard a word from God. Does it have to be something that I'm going to like get the crystal ball out and look into your future before you believe anything else that I say? Because now God has done that. God has delivered some mail to me about some, of, some people in this church and, and, and when I've delivered it, it always didn't go well. Because you think you want a word from God. But when God gives you the word and it's not the one you wanted to hear, you're ready to give up on that and go to another church where you're not going to hear that kind of word. Come on now. You know I'm saying truth. But my brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. God loves you. And God doesn't want to beat you up. He wants to pick you up. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, so, so watch, that's, that's the Jesus there. That, that's, you know, do, do, do you know Him? Do you know Him like the Samaritan woman knew Him? Okay, I perceive something's different about this Jesus. I, I perceive now there's something different about Christianity. What about, there's, the Bible gives us, I'm going to talk, uh, let me just read to you from John. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 6, beginning in verse 33. This is Jesus. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, I, but I have said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will in no means cast out. 
For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? See, they're, they're looking at the, the neighborhood kid. This is the Jesus that we know, the Jesus that grew up down the street. We know his mother, we know his father, we know his sisters and brothers. How is it that he says he came down from heaven? Because we see this person in front of us that grew up in our very midst. His, his own family didn't even believe in him. In John chapter 7, it says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. His friends thought he was insane. In, in uh, Mark three twenty-one, And when his friends heard of it, they went to, out to lay hold of, on him, for they said, He is beside himself. He was insane. He was out of his mind. So the people that were around him, the people that were closest to him, thought he was insane, or they just didn't believe uh, his confession about being the Son of God. Now, you can say, well, I can understand that. They grew up with him. They saw him born. They saw this. They saw that. Yeah, but there there was something else about him. There was also something else about him. Amen. Amen. Now, I understand that we don't have the same perspective. And, and And it might be a little bit different for us to relate especially in those kind of terms, because we didn't see Jesus bodily. Obviously, we never saw him grow up. That should make it a little easier for us. Which Jesus do you know? Right now, which Jesus do you know? Now, remember when a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about where's your passion, we, we talked about it a couple of weeks. And remember the story that I refer to pretty frequently is about when Jesus, he goes and cleans out the temple. He did it twice at the beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry. He did it twice. And remember what he did. He went in there. He became irate because of them turning his father's house into a, a house of merchandise. And he turned over the tables and he formed a whip and he, he whipped people out of the temple. And, I, and remember, you know, it was because he had this passion, this zeal uh, for the Lord, for, for God. And, and so we should, we should have the same passion. That was, a, where's our passion? You know, I don't want to whip anybody out of the church. I want to bring them in. However, where's our passion for the things of God? But I told you also, and I've, I've had this, and, and if any of you had this experience, you may be able to relate, but I had this experience with people who call themselves born again. They see that story in the Bible and they wish that it wasn't there. Because that's embarrassing to them that Jesus would actually have what appears to be an angry tantrum. And, and especially the part where it says that he formed a whip and whipped the people out of there. I've got no problem with that. Yeah, that's because you're a blind Christian. You're, you're one of those blind faith guys. No logic, no thought, no nothing. Call me whatever you want. But the Jesus that I know, he loves. He's merciful. He's forgiving. But he's also righteous and zealous for the things of God. Amen? And you can be both. You can be both. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I actually had a friend who, who told me that he wishes that wasn't even in there. That there's no way. That something, some, that's, that's just way too difficult. 
you know, we'd much rather have that Jesus that we see in uh, Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, feeding the 5,000. That Jesus that was moved with compassion. And he, and he looks upon the, the crowd and, he, he, yeah, and he's, let's, we can't, we've got to give them something to eat. They've been with us all day. No, his apostles send them away so they can go get something to eat. Or, or in the case, I think it was in the, Matthew, he says, he says hey, uh, send them away so they get something. He says, you feed them. Jesus says, you feed them. You take care of them. Now, Jesus knew already what they did and did not have. So when he said, you feed them, he wasn't asking them to do what he did. He's teaching them something. You guys are pastors. You guys are caring. And the thing that the, the food that you're bringing them is much more important than the food that you're thinking they need. But he did, however, Jesus did feel compassion for the crowds and he fed them. But that's the Jesus that we want to know. That Jesus is full with compassion. That Jesus that does these miracles. What about this one? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. John 10.10. That's the Jesus that we know. Amen? That's the Jesus we want to know. That's the Jesus we want to hear preach. How about this? Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Matthew, I mean, Luke 23. What? that was while they were killing him, while they were executing him. He's praying for them. Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Isn't that the Jesus that we know? Yes, absolutely it is. That's the Jesus we hear about. That's the Jesus that we want to get close to. That's the Jesus we want to share with other people. What about this? Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Luke 10. I'm giving you power. He's telling you, when he's talking about serpents and scorpions, he's not talking about literal serpents and scorpions. He's talking about demons. He's talking about the powers of darkness. He's saying, I'm giving you power over the enemy, over your enemy. That, that, you know, that battle that we're talking about, the unseen realm, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the darkness of the age, spiritual wickedness in high places. This is Jesus saying, I'm giving you power over that. Hallelujah. Give me more. That's the Jesus that I want to hear from. That's the Jesus that I know. That's the Jesus I want to share with other people. Amen? Come on. That's Jesus all over it. All things are possible to him that believes. Mark chapter 9. Hallelujah. I want to know all things are possible through him that believes. We prayed a little while ago and we know that he heard us. And he says, if we pray anything we ask in the name of Jesus, asking in faith, it'll be done. Matthew 21, 22. That's, that's where that comes from. In Matthew, 22, uh, Matthew 21, 22, here's what it says specifically. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. But now let's just look in that same chapter, just a few scriptures ahead. Beginning in verse 18. Now in the morning, as he, Jesus, returned to the city, he was hungry. And he, seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. Now again, that sounds like Jesus just got upset and he had a little bit of a temper temper tantrum and cursed the fig tree. Is that the Jesus that you know? 
Is that the Jesus that you want to know? Is that the Jesus that you want to teach and preach about? See, we want to pick and choose. Is that the Jesus that you want to go before your worst enemies and your best friends and and talk about? Is that the Jesus that you know? He's, He's teaching a lesson in that. See, after that, he even goes in further because his, his disciples, they were marveling at that. And he's talking about, listen, you know, don't you know, marvel at that. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can ask a mountain to be removed and cast into the sea, and it, and it will happen. He's talking about don't doubt when you ask for things in faith. But he's talking something that's spiritual, obviously. Because now, when he's cursing that tree, it wasn't just a temper tantrum. What is he saying? You've got to produce fruit. You're not here. Listen, you're not here just to take up oxygen. You're not here just to look pretty. And some of you aren't doing a good job of that anyway. You're not here just for that. What you're here for is to produce fruit. Right? All right, don't get so excited. Don't shout me down, anybody. John 15, 5 and 6. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Amen. amen. I'm going to take that as an amen. Hallelujah. So, so listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. Is that the Jesus that you know? Is that the Jesus that we have the pep rallies? Like, oh, wow, thank you, Jesus. You know, the ones that don't produce fruit, you're going to pluck them off and you're going to throw them in the fire. Hallelujah. Is, is that? No. But what Jesus do you know? Which is the one that you know? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Luke 9. Luke 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Is that the Jesus you know? Do not think, Matthew 10, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Is that the Jesus you know? Is that the Jesus you know? See, now I've, I've shared with some of you, I'm, I'm not sure if I shared with Louis. You know, I, I got into a, a debate with a guy who believes that Jesus was a, 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 a great teacher. He believes that Jesus, he also believes in the Eastern religions. And when I told him about this, because I'm telling him, Jesus says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. I'm trying to, and I'm trying to use wisdom and pray and teach. And he got, uh, he said, yeah, okay, that's, that's fine, but, you know, that's too, that narrows it down. I don't know if Jesus really said that. I said, not only did he say that, but he said he didn't bring, bring peace, but he came to divide, even divide families, because there were going to be some that would be sold out to him. There would be some that would believe in him and trust in his word, and then there would be others of the same family that would uh, really get upset about them. 
not receive them, but the opposite. And some of you have suffered that in your own families. You know what it is that I'm talking about. You suffered it with some friends, and you've suffered it with some families, and, and some family members, and you, and you know exactly where Jesus is coming from by that. Because you choose to serve Him and to be 100% sold out to Jesus, you're going to tick a lot of people off. And so it just happens, and you don't even mean to do it, but you do it. This is what Jesus is talking about. But when I told this guy that, he said, no, that's not right. I said, listen, I'll show you chapter and verse. Um, I quoted the verse and I said, I could show you in this Bible. He said, well, that ain't right. Someone else must have wrote that in there. Now, I'm not not trying to make fun. But but, but listen to that. Listen to the way this tracks. See, he was okay with Jesus until there were certain things that I told him that Jesus said out of his own mouth. And no, no, that's not the Jesus that I know. That's not the Jesus that I want to trust in. That's not the Jesus that I believe. Someone else must have wrote that. Someone else must have said that. That can't be the Jesus that I know. Are you with me? Then you don't believe in the real Jesus. You don't believe. You're not trusting in the real Jesus. See, I am totally at peace with the fact that He can be loving, kind, grace, full of grace and mercy, but at the same time be a righteous judge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God forevermore. I, I, I just, I, it just blows me away. What blows me away then is even worse in, in some cases. He says, um, he, that is, um, he that is not with me is against me. Amen. That's Matthew 12. Fear him which after he hath killed has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. Luke 12. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life and there are few who find it. Okay. That's out of Jesus' own mouth. And we understand, most of us in here, we understand exactly what he's saying. Right? So, I, told, I shared this with some of you. Again, if, if it was all of you, I don't care. I'm just going to say it again anyway. Um, listen, a, a while back, a, a, a small church pastor myself, we were, I, I love meeting with small church pastors. We, we just get along. I just love them. They love me. We have a good time. Anyway, long story short here. Um, we were talking about the rapture. And we're talking about the condition, geopolitics being what they're being, the... the uh, the mood and the mode in our country, how things are really looking not too good. And so thought, well, you know, the rapture can take place at any moment. And, I, you know, in considering the rapture, what it might look like, he made a statement to me which I really didn't think about. And he used this scripture. I want to give credit where credit is due. And, and it was pretty neat because he said, you know, it's not going to be as difficult as I once thought for the world and the powers that be to explain the rapture whereby you would have a bunch of people disappearing simultaneously. I don't think there's going to be a lot of planes crashing, a lot of... And I said, well, that's interesting. You know what? He said, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. There's not going to be that many that are going compared to the population of the planet. Think about that for a minute. That's pretty difficult. Think about how many people are confessing Christ with their mouths. Think about how many thousands of people across this land right now are in churches and even in other countries 
But think about the possibility of many, many, many of them not going, not hearing that trumpet sound, not sound, not seeing Jesus when he splits the sky. And it all has to do with which Jesus do you know? Do you know him? Do you know him? I'm not talking about having a, a mental disposition toward him. I'm talking about do you know him? And when I, I, I had an occasion, somebody, a Christian, they asked, asked me a question about the rapture or something like that. And I shared this scripture. That person was shaking. Man, you got me scared now. Why? Why would you be scared? Why would you be scared? Right? Jesus says, listen, he says he's the gate to the sheepfold. He's the door. If you're in him, you're in. Like we've talked about, like the, the Lord shared through us even the last couple of weeks. I think was it maybe it was Wednesday during our study that we have the key of David. No man can shut. That gate, that way is open to us. We receive his word and we obey his word. There's a door that's open that no man can shut. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. I'm not worried. I am not worried. And you shouldn't be worried either. Why? Because Jesus is the way. It's the total package Jesus. The Jesus who is loving, kind. The, he is, listen, listen. He's the lamb that was slain and he's the lion of Judah. He can be both simultaneously. Hallelujah. I love it when Jesus confronted the Pharisees. When he's talking to the spiritual hypocrites. When, uh, I should say religious hypocrites. When he's talking to the religious hypocrites and he puts them in their place. When they try to go ahead and snag him and he just goes ahead and he puts them in their place. I love that, don't y'all? Don't you? And he said, you're sons of the devil, didn't he? Hypocrites! He called them right out, didn't he? Do you like that? Same Jesus. The same Jesus. The very same Jesus took mud and put it on somebody's eyes who didn't even ask to be healed, but he healed them. The same Jesus. The same Jesus. The same Jesus was approached by a Gentile for his servant. And the same Jesus was so moved by the faith of this man. Because he, he knew that Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher, it wasn't lawful for him to enter into his house. He says, I'm not worthy to receive you, but I know because I have, I'm a man of power and I understand rank. All you have to do is say the word and I know my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled, I haven't even seen this kind of faith in Israel. Amen. That same Jesus who healed him, healed his servant without even going to his house. That same Jesus is the very same Jesus that would not mind calling a lie a lie. Not messing around. That same Jesus who was the lamb that was slain is the same Jesus that's the Lion of Judah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we like... This one, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing, we like that. And nothing by any means will have power of you. But what about, have you heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How about that one? Do we like that one as well? If someone's doing battle with you right now and they could be the most evil, wicked person, 
Jesus is saying you've got to love them. Are you doing it? Same Jesus. Come on now. I'm not trying to bring condemnation on anybody. This is the truth. Is that the Jesus that we know? Is that the Jesus that we know? We like, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I love that. Do you hear that promise? Jesus, what works is he talking about? He's talking about all of those miracles that he's doing. He says, these things that I'm doing, people who believe in me will do these things and more. That's awesome. Yes, yes, yes. We could fill churches just preaching that stuff. We can have all kind of pep rallies talking about that. Hallelujah. Some of us in this room have seen demons cast out. We've seen miraculous healings done. We've seen the miraculous. It's awesome. But how about if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek also? How about that one? We good with that one? Same Jesus. Very same Jesus. Very same. Out of his mouth. Is that tracking with you? I'm going to go back to Ephesians, but now in chapter 6. And here, you've got, you had a piece of this before too. We're going to begin in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, or in the evil day, that you're going to be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, watch this, stand therefore the first instrument of this warfare that he's mentioning. Look at what it says. Do I got it? It's there somewhere. Anyway, verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Having girded your waist with truth. Having girded your waist with truth. Are you with me? Truth. It's the truth that makes me free. He's the way, the truth. I need the truth. I don't need to be having a pep rally. I don't need uh, an inspirational message only. I don't need a motivational speak. I need the truth. I need the truth. Because that truth is what holds together all of the other weapons. See, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking to them in languages, in, in a language that they can understand. He's speaking in a metaphor that they can grasp because they're used to seeing the soldiers. And they're used to and, and, and seeing the type, of, the type of clothes that they wore. Robes and such. And if they had a long robe, they would have had to have tied it up so that they can run. Not away to the battle, not away from the battle. The belt held up, their stu- held up all of their stuff and it held the other instruments together. They had this, the sword and the sheath stuck to the belt. But you see what this belt, the, the thing that holds all of the other stuff, forgive my grammar, in place is the truth. Amen. The truth. I need the truth. Just tell me the truth. I don't need for you to soft soap it. I don't need for you to tell me something you think I want to hear. Just tell me the truth. Because if I know the truth, I can get fixed. Amen. If I don't know the truth, I can't fix it. Amen. The bottom line is, I can't fix it anyway. If I could fix it, he would, have went, he would have never had to die on the cross. But I know what needs to be fixed, and I know what to bring to the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. The truth. The truth. I, I just need the truth. I don't need you to pump me up. I mean, but here, the Bible also instructs us to tell the truth in love. And, and I, I really believe in my heart that Jesus, even when he confronted the Pharisees and the scribes, he's absolutely doing it out of love. He also knew that he couldn't marry up with them. He couldn't try to soft soap them. He couldn't. He knew what they were going to do to him. But he had to tell the truth. See, because Jesus has a special affection for you and for me. Jesus, I'm so glad that he has a zeal for his father's house. You know why? Because it says that you're the temple of God. So that zeal that he showed for the temple is the same zeal that he has for you. See? See? Yeah, that Jesus, he was nasty, man. He had, a, he had a temper tantrum and he chased all those. He turned over tables and he formed a whip. I'm so glad because I need him to turn over some tables in my life. I need him to whip out some of these bad merchants in my life. I need them out. I need them out. See, but look, look I can't be told, I can't be coddled, I can't be told that everything's okay. Jesus loves you. Everything's, he loves me and he loves me so much that he has this zeal for me. He wants me cleaned. Amen? And he'll do it. He'll do it. He will do it. He's got the power to do it. But I got to let it happen. I got to let it happen. So now I'm going to... John, did I give you John 3? John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless... One is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. This is a very familiar passage. We discuss it in this church many times, and I know you know this. But, but look, look. A man of the Pharisees. There were some Pharisees that believed him. They, there were some Pharisees that saw something. There were some, some Pharisees. In fact, even uh, after the uh, church was baptized with the Holy Ghost, there were, there were many that believed. They had, to keep, they had to keep quiet about it. They had been excommunicated. They had been tossed out. But my brothers and sisters, this Pharisee, this Nicodemus, had to go to him by night. And he's going to him by night and he's, because he recognizes this Jesus, this powerful Jesus. There's something different about this teacher. There's something different about this doctrine. There's something different about the love, the compassion, and the power. The power. And he says to him, there's no, there, there, it's obvious. There, it's, it's obvious that you come from God. See, I'm not believing even what your own family says about you. Oh, come on now. Listen, right here. I'm not believing what your own family says about you. I'm not believing what your friends say. Your friends think you're insane. Your friends think you're weird. Friends think you went off the deep end. Friends think, well, no, no, no. He's just on his last leg. He's just wait. He's just trying to get into heaven. Just trying to make up for all those bad things that he did in his life or her life. Not real. It's a jailhouse thing. Come on now. That ain't real. It's just those people that they're hanging around right now. It'll pass. No. There's no way you came from God. There's no way that this stuff can happen Unless you're coming from God. Jesus 
immediately. He didn't say, Nicodemus, you're a good man, but you're, you're in fault, and I'm going to teach you now. Jesus went right to the heart of the situation. Right to the heart of this. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a truth. You ain't even going to see heaven unless you're born again. Period. Hallelujah. Come on, what, what's wrong? That was Jesus. Oh, you're okay, Nicodemus. You'll be all right. Just, just, you know. Come, hey, hang around me just a little while longer. You know, hey, come on. We're going to have a, we're going to have a uh, church uh, covered dish. Why don't you come over and come, yeah, come, come on over and have, and have this church. No, we're going to have spe- some special music. I'm, I'm, going over at the, I'm going over to Peter's mother-in-law's house. You know she can cook. Let's go to Peter's mother-in-law's house. And we, when I come there, I'm going to bring a word. And, and you know what? I'm going to bring uh, Brother Joe. Brother Joe, he can sing like nobody's business. Man, the spirit, I'm going to tell you. Come on. You'll, come on. Is that what he did? No. Right to the heart of the matter. He told him the truth that he needed to hear. You must be born again. You won't even see the kingdom of heaven. Now we know the discourse, but look what he says, Jesus again, in uh, the fifth verse. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless someone is born of water and spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, I believe, when he says born of water, he's talking about that implanted word in your heart. Because, listen, a lot of people think different. They think, well, water means you've got to be physically born. I don't believe that that means that. I believe because the, the Bible tells us in so many uh, situations that the word makes you clean. So I believe when he says water in the word, he's talking about something spiritual, that word that's being implanted in your heart. That word that's being implanted in your heart. Jesus said to his apostles, you're already clean because of the word that I've given you. You're clean because of the word. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Listen, he talks about husbands loving their wives and showing how Christ cleansed the church. He cleansed how he watered, we get with the washing of water by the word in Ephesians. Doesn't he say that? That he washed his church with the washing of water by the word. So unless a man is born of water and spirit. So we're talking about having that engrafted, that implanted word of God in your heart. And then the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's being born again. But I had to come to the place where I recognized Jesus is holy. Jesus is righteous. And that same holy, righteous Jesus... That same one came up out of a tomb alive which proved to me everything that he taught, everything that he did was absolute and I need to get a hold of that. And he told me that, listen, he told me that his blood had to be shed so that I, my sins can be forgiven. I believe it. I believe it. He told me that I must be born again. I believe it. So now i got to be born again. Brothers and sisters, I've got to be the one to tell you. The problem that maybe we have in this church with some of us, and we have in other churches all over the land. There's a lot of people that say they believe, but they're not born again. I'm just telling you. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm telling you that if Jesus isn't playing a prominent role in your life, if Jesus, listen, isn't your life, if Jesus is just an afterthought, you're not born again. You may have prayed a prayer, and I don't care if you prayed a prayer when you were 12 years old. You said, I, I was praying, I baptized at 12. I don't care. I don't care. You must be 
born again. If you're not born again, you're going to die in your sins and trespasses, having a mental salvation only, but never having the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that changes you from a dead person to a fully living, animated, breathing, sure enough, saved soul. Hallelujah. And I'm battling for your soul right now. Somebody needs to get saved in here. I'm battling for your soul right now. It's time that we just absolutely draw the line and say, okay, I've done it on my own enough. I've had this mental salvation. I've read the Scriptures. I've heard from pastors and preachers. I've heard all of this before, and I thought I went to that altar, and I gave it to Him. If you gave it to Him, then why are you struggling so hard right now? He's already struggled for you. Trust Him. But trust all of Him. Trust the Lamb that was slain. And trust the Lion. The Lion who is so zealous for you. The Lion, the Lion, listen, who wants you clean. And who is helping you to do it. That one. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please.